Thanks for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. Greg, you're, you're dancing, which means <laughs> you're, you're in a good mood. You're ready for the show. It's a beautiful thing. I'm ready for the show. I'm in a good mood now that the show has started. It was one of those days. Yeah? It was just one of those Uh-oh. days. So I got to just share. So I started the day, go down to my office and turn on the light and it doesn't work. Now, oh. oh yeah, right. Wait, you so, were just doing you were just doing work on the house with the I lights. I was just doing some day. construction, and I was actually putting in new lighting in my office. And I'm like, okay, I'm really excited about trying it out. It worked yeah. fine last night. I flipped the switch today, no light. <laughs> okay, oh, I'm like, oh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> which also means no computer, which means oh, no. no power in my office, oh, no geez. work. I can't. Get to work. I'm like, I have meetings to get to. Oh. oh. So this is how my morning's starting. And I have a meeting first thing in the morning. I take all my equipment. I rush up to another room in my house. I'm like plugging everything in just to get right on time. I want to be professional. I don't want to be late for this meeting. I get perfect. The minute the meeting starts, I power up. I'm joining the meeting. <laughs> and what happens? The, the guest of the meeting says, Oh, your sound is awful. Oh my gosh, oh, I can't no. even listen to this. <laughs> What's behind you? Is that the ceiling behind you? They're making fun of all the hard work <laughs> that I was rushing around to start this meeting. And I'm like, oh, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those days. Man. So anyway, yeah, I, I had a bad day. It's life changing. <laughs> it was a bad day. Yeah. It's yeah. better now. That's good. Better now. That's good. My my week started much like your day today, actually. Oh, really? So Monday morning, I wake up and I'm like, all right, I'm going to jump in the shower and get my day started. I go make coffee and get that rolling. Go back. I turn on the shower and waiting for it to warm up. Still waiting. <laughs> so my water heater went out. Oh, <laughs> so, no. Oh, oh no. man. So I had to deal with getting plumbers out, getting quotes, going through. Oh, man. It was probably four hours of just dealing with plumbers, which (laughs) they were all very nice. Okay. (laughs) It was all fine. Okay. (laughs) But, oh, man. Still not the way you wanted to start the week. No, not at all. All I wanted to do was just relax, take a shower, start my day, and couldn't do that. So I'm with you. I feel you. It's it's, it's not good when when you have unexpected things like that. You just want to crawl back in the bed and just say, let me just start this over again. Let me just start over again. Ah, And as bad as both our stories are, they're not really that bad. But our guest today does have a life-changing event that happened that is a lot worse than what we experienced. So uh, let's introduce our guest, Dennis Mellon. He is a team trainer, executive coach, and the author of Takes More Than Heart. Dennis, welcome to DIY for Business. Thanks for having me, Greg. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Russ, too. Oh, yeah, we're excited thanks, thanks to for talk joining to you. Us. Yeah. So, Dennis, I went on to the website for your book, Takes More Than Heart, and we will have links to, to this website with our show. And I saw a really powerful video. And that is, I would say, okay, Dennis was having a bad day, but I want you to tell us what happened and what changed your life. Well, I guess I have to preface it with where I was at the point the day before this event happened. I was a airline pilot at the top of my of my career, 56 years old, flying 
from, as a matter of fact, flying to San Francisco from uh, Seattle with Alaska Airlines, hmm. up at 35,000 feet, making it look easy, but it was still a hard job. And then the next day I'm out mountain bike riding, which I'd taken up probably, oh, a year and a half uh, before, because there's so many great trails east of Seattle in the foothills of the Cascades. And I pick out a trail that this day, a uh, beautiful bluebird day, not a cloud in the sky. Pick out a trail that's in the trail guide listed as it's a bitch. A 500 <laughs> foot climb in about a mile with a bunch of switchbacks. And I didn't quite make it up to the top. About halfway up, I'm huffing and puffing. I feel some numbness in my arms. And a few moments later, I'm clutching at my chest and I fall over on oh, my wow. bike. Luckily, two hikers came by and they found me unconscious on that hill. Wow. And the EMTs come. It takes a little while for them to hump all their equipment up that same hill I just came up. Sure. And they take me to the nearest hospital a half an hour away. Along the way, they have to shock me about 25 times. And about another 20 times in the ER, I'm telling you, I am so lucky to be here. Now, there may be some questions as to whether I have all my faculties still. But <laughs> they found out that I had a genetic condition that caused blockage of, if you can believe it, it's called a lateral anterior descending artery of the heart, uh, otherwise known as the widowmaker. So, yeah, I'm lucky to be here. So from one day doing that, next day having the heart attack, and probably about a week later, sitting in the doctor's office, talking to the doctor, getting a routine checkup and some tests. And I said, I, I just casually asked him, so doc, how, how much longer with rehab before I can get back to flying? And he kind of snaps his head around at me like I'm some sort of two-headed monster or something. and said, Dennis, you've had some serious heart damage. You're never going to fly again. This is something I've been, I started, love, love. I, I started doing this at 10 years old. I can remember even now, standing next to a, a runway. My father was in the Air Force, standing next to a runway when two F-4 Phantoms come screaming by in full afterburner, and I'm pumping my fist going, yeah, that's what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> now, my wife says I, I haven't reached that point yet, but as things developed, <laughs> I uh, went on to, to start a professional aviation career in the Air Force and Alaska Airlines. So that, that's the quick and short of it. Wow. That's such, that's okay. Our, our days look like nothing, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take the problem problem and I'll take the light problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, I, I couldn't take a shower one day and I'm complaining. Yeah. So you had to change and reinvent your entire life. Yeah, how, it was. How did that process work? I'm sure there's the stages, oh, yeah, it, but how did that process work to move on to something else? Well, after being informed by the doctor, I'm never going to fly again. And I'm 56 years old and I'm not ready for Geezerville, remote, cool drink and a Barker lounger trying to find out whether Oprah's going to be on tonight, today or not. I, I, I really went into a deep funk and it took a couple of months of flipping through channels going, nah, I don't need a Chia Pet and I don't need to have my <laughs> knife sharpened or I'm, I'm too young for Medicare Part B. I, I finally snapped out of it and started, basically a neighbor came over and and he very bluntly started repeating the same question. So what are you going to do now? So what are you going to do now? And it wow. it was uh, ticking me off. And I've, I, it got me thinking. And I, the only thing I knew was aviation. So I went through a series of jobs 
tried to find something in aviation. I headed up, uh, went to a couple other airlines, heading up uh, uh, a training department for 600 pilots and four, four, 45 instructors, I think. Another one where I did the standards that went out of business under me. And then yeah. started doing some consulting where I was traveling worldwide with Kenya Airways, Philippine Airways, things like that. But long and short of it was it just wasn't the same. And then some mm-hmm. one day I'm talking to this lady and she goes, Dennis, how'd you like to speak to our to our group? And I kind of chuckled and said, about what? She said, <laughs> I, I've seen your resume. And you, you have a degree in leadership and organizational development from the Air Force Academy. You took when all those leadership schools in the Air Force and you headed up departments with 600 people, you could teach about leadership. And it was really like the sky parted and a ray of sunshine came on. I started smiling. I thought, yeah, Dennis Mellon 2.0 could do that. So so how did you, like, obviously that one event where you did the speak for that woman's organization, did you know immediately after you did that talk that this was going to be your... Yeah, I I did because you've probably done something similar. We've got up in front of groups and that... Being able to tell my origin story, what I just told you guys about how I got to that point, as you get into about three to five minutes into a, to a speaking engagement, there's that adrenaline rush where you go, hey, I've really got the audience with me. So I, I it becomes addictive. And <laughs> you know I can use totally. it to promote my book or I can use it to promote some of my, my uh, training, team, team training that I do. And so that's what inspired it. Nice. So, nice. And, and so you, you found like a second passion, which is, I mean, that's super yeah. fortunate. Like not a whole lot of people are able to do that. So that congratulations yeah, for being thanks. able to find something else and land somewhere. Yeah. The whole goal is, is make a difference with everybody you come in contact every day. And if I can uh, impart some lessons learned as a leader, some lessons learned as a follower, maybe a shortcut, or maybe they don't have to attend the university of hard knocks. Like I learned most of my, I learned everything the hard way. It usually seems. Yeah. If I can impart that and, and uh, make a difference with them, that's what excites me. So nice. It's still not flying, but it's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine being a pilot and, and, and having a bad day when you were a pilot, you had bad days. You still had a smile. And I guess it's the same sort of thing now. I've done plenty of things on stage where I've done presentations and then I've done the people that listen to the show know I've done improv. And I, I even, I don't know if, if I've revealed this before, but I did do stand-up comedy uh, a little bit. Um, came in second and there were more than two people, if that's the joke you guys were going to make. <laughs> well, hey, and, and nobody came up on stage and slapped it, did they? No, oh, <laughs> fortunately. Oh. I didn't cross any lines, so that was good. <laughs> okay. I think that's another show though. Yeah, Yeah. that could be right. But uh, there's that too. Like when you're speaking, like it's, you can't have a bad day with that either because people see that on stage. Like if you're having a bad day, how do you get through those difficult times? And do you use like what you went through before? Is that how you, what motivates you to to stay positive? Yeah. Yeah, There's a Japanese adage. I won't attempt to uh, pronounce all the words in it, but it boils down to, uh, fall down seven times, get up eight times. And it's mm. it's a philosophy, no matter what's happened, whether it's cold showers, electrical problems, heart attacks or whatever, the Navy SEALs have a acronym they use, DWI, not driving while intoxicated, but uh, <laughs> deal with it. Oh no, we're surrounded by the enemy and we're running out of am- ammunition. We'll deal with it because the mm. alternative is 
you're going to be killed or captured. Now, in business, we're not going to get killed or captured. We could fail at what we're doing. But the number of times that I've failed far out, number of times I've been successful, and I think you'll find most successful people will admit that. Fall down seven times, get up eight. You know, keep plugging away. That's a great philosophy. And and I think that now that you're in the team training and, and leadership training, you probably incorporate that that philosophy and that theory into what you're teaching uh, to these different corporations that are hiring you to do this training. And we got to go to break real quick. But when we come back, I'd love to hear more about the, your training philosophy and what you're putting together for the different teams you're working with. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. And we're back with DIY for Business with Russ and Greg. Today, we are talking with Dennis Mellon. He is the author of Takes More Than Heart. And before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about now that he's doing these team trainings, how does he build in the philosophy of that deal with it, the DWI? And how does that come across to the teams that you're working with and how do they incorporate it? Every leader has an area that they don't see about themselves. So an area where they come across to their employees, to their team. I'd like to refer to them as their team members because that's the whole philosophy that, that I teach is make it a team. And if it's a team, we're building those that speak up culture, connecting that mm-hmm. culture with the vision, but getting that speak up culture where it's we can have those positive, purposeful, productive conversations that lead to new ideas and innovation and elite performance. And I get excited talking about it to them. And I have to hold back because a lot of times if you're coming into a company consult, if you come in like gangbusters and say, hey, you need to do this and this and this you know, that's going to be rejected. You have to find out where they are, what their culture is, and then show them what, they, what it could be, and then help them find that route. I, I use an analogy. If you and I are, are driving, well, let's use the example. You, you guys are in Northern California up there. Let's say we're driving down to Disneyland down in Southern California. There's a couple different ways we can go down there, but we want to be down there in Disneyland. You pick a route, traffic's bad in San Francisco. Okay, we go to the east side or we go straight over to the valley. Maybe there's accidents on the way. Maybe there's weather. But you're much like when you drive, you're taking care of the next 200 feet. You're keeping Disneyland in, in mind, take care of that next 200 feet. And you're building your culture, you're building your business, or you're striving to solve a problem. Maybe that's your Disneyland. And you take care of the next 200 feet. And then the next 200 until you finally arrive there, then you find another goal. But it's developing that culture where people get excited about going to work. I I get to go to work instead of I have to go to work. That's where you start pulling that elite performance out of them. And you can, I, I like to say you can triple your profits. There's a lot of hidden costs in your business in, uh, you know, well, you guys, I've looked through some of the things that, that you've published on LinkedIn, the great resignation and toxic work environments. And, and it's indicated by absenteeism and turnover rates and retraining costs. Yeah. What if you could re- get reap that money back into your profit line by creating that culture where people are excited about the work? They have a purpose. Yeah. And I, I find it funny. And, I, I, and this is one of those things that it dawned on me at one point when I was leading a team, it dawned on me that the more 
like I invest in this team, the more time I spend or even the more money I spend, if I take them out to lunch <laughs> or if I do this, do these little things. It, okay. It all adds up that there's a little cost involved in these various things, especially like when you take away my time or whatever it is, there's cost associated with it. But the benefits on the other side of it, like you said, we are not having to rehire. You're not having to find new people. And if you can motivate your team to, to, to be excited to come to work every day, man, your customers are going to see that. They're going to be excited to use your service. And, and it's an interesting thing that I think a lot of people just look at the cost of that and not necessarily the investment factor in, in investing in your team. Greg, you know, that's one of the things. So Greg used to be my boss for a long time. And that's one of the things that you do really well. Like you exceed at that, getting people motivated, getting them wanting to be there. I wanted to be there every single day. So <laughs> I got excited about being there, especially the days you were going to be there. And, and it wasn't just because we were going to go get a burrito. It was because <laughs> I knew that we were going to have all these great ideas and get up on the whiteboard and, and move some post-it notes around to get something done like that. What's your secret on that? What have you done? As far as trying to like, I, I don't, I, I've worked with you and I don't know exactly how you do it. <laughs> you should know, Russ, because the number one thing is burritos. But after okay. burritos, perfect. Yeah, after burritos. Donuts. Okay. <laughs> I have a philosophy <laughs> that everybody should have a voice and there should be a culture of collaboration. I feel that in an organization where the top is just barking orders and just say, follow these orders, it doesn't make somebody excited about coming to work every day. I think uh, Russ can speak to when we would get together and we would have meetings, it was a lot of questions that I would ask and, and I want to share ideas and I want to put those up on the whiteboard. I want to move the the post-its around and say, oh, if we move it here and we do the change the order of mm -hmm. the process, what do you think of this, Russ? And it would just be Russ and I, we'd bring Russ's team into those types of conversations yeah. and I would have the same similar relationship with all of my top managers and their teams. I wanted to develop an environment that everybody had a voice. We weren't always going to follow what everybody said, but if I didn't follow what somebody said, I would always explain why. I wouldn't just say, that's a bad idea. We're not going to do it. I would say, thank you for the idea. Let me think about it. Or if I knew there was a reason why we couldn't follow through with that at that very moment, I would explain myself. And almost every time they would understand. But they would be appreciative of the fact that they got to tell me what they really felt and, and, how, and why mm -hmm. they felt that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's important to empower them like that because in an extreme case, if somebody's a micromanager, then all the information has to flow to you and yeah. everybody is waiting on your directions and you lose out on time, you lose out on perspectives, you lose out on options. And none of that appears on a financial statement. It's I, in, in one of my talks, I talk about KPIs, your key performance indicators. What if you made your prime KPI, culture with a K, developing that, positive leadership and developing interrelationships. And I think Rush, you alluded to it, the relationships at work are what's make what's making things click. Yeah. Knowing that somebody has a plumbing problem or somebody has a daughter that's applied to a college and she she just got accepted to some prestigious college, so that everybody is pumping fists at the same time. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, and that it's when it becomes like an extended family, it's harder to leave. 
Yeah. And it's, it's enjoyable to stay, you know, which it's, it's tough to get to that. And I I think one of the, one of the things that actually, you know what, we do have to take a short break here, but what, what, one of the things, and the reason why I really wanted to talk to you was because of a quote on your website. And and I'll start the quote. Leaders are like coffee beans. (laughs) We'll we'll talk about that uh, when we get back with, And thanks for listening to DIY for Business, part of the Best Business Network on Electrocast Media. Hey, be sure to go check out our website at the Best Business Network. Yeah, that's the whole network site. You can go check out that. You'll see all, uh, I'm going to say about 10 shows. We may have added more by this point, uh, by the time you're listening to this, because we're always adding new and fantastic shows. So please do go check out that. And also check out our website, DIYforbusinesspodcast.com, for all of the past shows, show links, all that fun stuff is right there on DIYforbusinesspodcast.com. Sorry for the little commercial there, but we're going to get back to it here and talk about leadership and how leaders are like coffee beans. Dennis, what do you mean by that? That's my tagline. And now what I use as the story behind it is business is this roiling, boiling pot of water. There's nothing we can do. That's the competitiveness. That's the drill. The, the, what we have to, we're, we have to enter this water if we're going to be in business. And mm-hmm. you can enter that water as a coffee bean and start changing the water. You're not going to change the roiling and boiling, but you can eventually start changing that water into something that smells good, tastes good, and positively changes its environment. That's you as a coffee bean going into your team, your company. You're changing them into coffee beans so that ultimately you're, you're, a, you're gourmet coffee and you're performing at that elite level. So that's the analogy I lo- use. Is I'm trying to teach positive leadership and team leadership training so that I turn other people into coffee beans. And when they go back, they're they're converted and they're starting to convert those around them, the company, eventually their clients, and may, who knows, maybe the world. But the, that's the idea behind it, creating that gourmet coffee that's your team. What do you find that the people that hire you to help them with their leadership skills, what do you find has been the most common problem that they've had why they haven't been good leaders up to that point. Obviously, because they're hiring you, there's a want to be a good leader. They've identified that they have something to work on. What do you think is most commonly holding these people? There's a statistic that they've done surveys that about 25% of leadership is innate in you. The rest of it is learned. What I'm finding is people are reluctant to jump into it. They think the experience is all they need or they think attending one workshop and one and done, and now I'm a leader. But if you don't adopt this uh, philosophy of continuous learning, continuous improvement for f- from leading baby boomers like me to leading Gen Xers and millennials, and there's different ways that you have to learn to adapt to them. It's, it goes back to the relationships. But what I find is because... Between the three of us, maybe Greg is a seven on a leadership scale, Russ is a, an eight, and Dennis is a four. But it doesn't translate to a financial statement, doesn't translate to a key performance indicator. So they're reluctant to spend money on it because you don't see results in your in basically your report card. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're afraid to spend the money. They're afraid to spend the time and figure that it's just going to happen with experience. 
But what if, what I tell them is something along the lines of your leadership is working perfectly for the results that you're getting right now. Hmm. If you want to change those results, the first place to look is at your leadership and at your culture. And those aren't, those are the kind of things you can get them in employee surveys, but they're not going to appear on a financial statement. And most of the time you'll see people are looking at their report card. Just like looking back at your college GPA, did that determine what kind of person or what kind of worker you were? No, it was an indicator, but all the things you've learned since then have been every bit as important, if not more. Yeah. So there's a reluctance to jump into that because they don't want to spend the time. One of the other things that I read on your website was, and and uh, seg- segueing here about honest appraisals. So th- that's another type of uh, report card, a- appraising your business, your team, looking at those things. You talked about Jemba Walks. Can you tell us a little about that? <laughs> that's another Japanese term. It's, a, it's something that the Toyota has done. And Toyota's known for their... their uh, production line. And Jemba walk in, in Japanese, it means to get out on the floor. Instead of sitting up in the office and looking at reports or having people come up and tell you about things, have your managers come up and tell you, this is what's going on. That's what's going on. You go out on the shop floor, you get out in the cubicles, you get out where the work's being done. It's, it's like a, a different version of undercover boss. If you've ever watched that on TV. Yeah, I love that show. You find out that you're not getting the straight scoop of what's going on. Not because people are lying to you, but you're not there in real time. You're not seeing it firsthand. It's just, it's so important to to get down to the ground level of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a positive culture a number of times, and I've seen the mistake so many times that businesses think a positive culture is make sure there's good Starbucks coffee for them every day. That's nice, but it's not necessarily affecting the emotion and the mentality of it's everybody you know likes a good cup of coffee, but that's not really why they want to perform. And it's not necessarily why they want to stay with the company. And I think that you have a distinct view on changing the culture so they want to be there and they want to produce and reach goals in a common way for, you know, in a, the, the leader is trying to get them to. Yeah, I was just thinking about this. I've been working with a couple of senior care facilities and their problem is employee retention. If somebody... Mm. If they have a, what do they call them, medic or somebody, a cleaning person or a medical assistant, they're making $18, $19 an hour. If they can get 50 cents an hour to go somewhere else, they do. Well, what if you gave them purpose in what they're doing and got them excited? This is exactly what Alaska Airlines, and you've probably seen it on Southwest Airlines, the enthusiasm of the employees. They have a purpose. They love being there and it radiates. We've all seen the opposite. Somebody that walks in, we we call them energy vampires. Somebody that walks into the meeting and just sucks the energy out of the room. How do we convert those energy vampires into something productive? You have to give them a purpose of why they're doing things. So -hmm. if you can explain that and get them excited and see where their own personal goals tie into the purpose that you've, or the vision that you've created for your team or for your company. It's, there's a, a, a story told about President John Kennedy, John F. Kennedy going to uh, NASA to visit for the first time, see where all the money's going. And he's walking down the hallway and he comes up on a janitor mopping the floor and he says, uh, 
what are you doing? He says, I'm putting a man on the moon. Think yeah, about it. That's it's true. It has to be yeah. clean. I'm helping put a man yeah. on the moon. And that's what that's what you're after is to create that culture yeah. where he knew what his purpose was. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. When I was running my company, I just I, I wanted to get to know every person that was working for me. I wanted to know them. I wanted to know about them. I had, I, I would call them and ask them if they were, cause I, it was an entertainment company and they would have to be available for a certain date. So I'd call them and I'd ask them, Oh, are you available? Whatever. September 3rd. Yeah, I'm available. Okay, great. Hey, how, how's everything going? How's everything else going with you? And I would have a 15, 20 minute conversation with them. that was my way of walking the floor. That was my way of getting to know them. That was the, my way of creating a culture where, you know what? I knew that they were going to stay with me. I knew I wasn't paying the most. I knew that there were other companies that were paying more than me. I tried to keep that as, as high as I could, but I, I had to pay. I had a house to pay for. You know? yeah. But it was, I knew that they could leave. So I wanted to be friends with them. It's harder to leave if we're friends. And the thing was, it wasn't an attempt of me like manipulating them or anything like that. I'm still friends with them. I don't even own the company anymore. <laughs> and I'm still friends yeah. with all of them because I actually legitimately like them. <laughs> you know, like I wanted to get to know them. I, I had that desire to to get to know them. And I think that that I don't know. Is do you think that's something that's learned or do you think that people are are born with that type of instinct or what do you think? It boils down to you still have to hold them accountable. And where I'm really where I feel I'm really effective, I don't know how many employees you had. Maybe it was uh, 50. Getting to know 50 employees is, is doable. When it starts getting to be 100, 200, yeah. 500, it gets to be a different ball game. But the essential thing is like the John F. Kennedy story, it's connecting with the person as you walk by them. Connecting. I, I do it when I go out to dinner. The waitress brings a bottle of wine and two glasses for my wife and I. And I always say, typically say something like, where's the third glass? And he said, there's only two of you. So I said, You're not going to join us? And what it does is it wins that waitress or waiter over and you're going to get better service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's such a simple little thing to do. And if you can find these simple things that you can do on a daily basis, it it it, it creates that, that environment where inclusive environment where everybody has a purpose there. They they know that the that's this is where I belong. I want to belong here. Yeah. I think when they feel that. It's not necessarily about the money anymore. When they right. find a home like that and they and they have that purpose and they want to go to work, they're looking forward to going to work every day. Even if another company comes in and, and offers them X percent more, they probably realize the grass is not going to be greener on the other side just because of a few dollars more. I want to stay where I'm appreciative and I'm contributing to you know the common goal. I just uh, interviewed a, a CEO. I'm, I'm uh, starting my third book here about connecting culture to the vision. And I interviewed the uh, CEO of, uh, well, he's retired now, of Intuit, the, the Quicken Books, TurboTax uh, people. And one of the things that really struck me was when they have somebody leave, of course, they have an exit interview. But in the exit interview, as long as it's a good person, it's along the line, the conversation goes along the lines of what could we have done better? But it also includes a, a line in there that says, we are happy that you're going out to, to see if the grass is greener at this other company. If you don't find it, an environment where you want to stay at work, you're welcome to come back anytime. Rather than the retribution style, oh, Dennis is leaving. 
I don't right. ever want to see him again. You get the dirt ball stamped on your on your uh, <laughs> right. forehead. You're never coming back here. But I thought that was a I thought that was a great observation. In some way, I'm gonna have to work that into one of the chapters that that you're welcome to come back. Yeah. And think about that. They're already trained. You don't have to go yeah, through the year exactly. and have spooling up of a new employer or whatever. Right. You might have to catch them up on whatever's changed, but they they know the culture. Plus, also you know? they're going to go get training and develop yeah. even further on somebody else's dime. Another, yeah, <laughs> in know? another perspective too, right? Yeah. Come back and, and and bring back something different, which is awesome. Yeah. That's a very classy thing to do. I like. I thought so. Yeah. I, I wrote that down. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna remember that one because I, I like yeah. that a lot. But it goes to having those exit interviews is important because that's another part of being a leader. There are holes in your leadership. Yeah. You're not doing everything perfectly because there's room for improvement. Right. If you have somebody that can point those out to you, if you have an mm-hmm. employee survey that points it out to you, if you have a mentor, somebody right. neutral, it's essential to your development. So you mentioned that you're working on your third book. We do want to tell everybody about your your other books, and we'll link to them in the podcast description. But can you tell us a little about the second one is a is an anthology, and I'm I belong to a, a speaking group, and a bunch of them decided to put together a, a book called Voices of Truth, and there's like 24 chapters, and I just happen to write one of the chapters in there, and it's it's everybody's uh, business experiences from uh, solopreneurs to people that 100, 200 employees. So there's some really good perspectives in it. It yeah, should be awesome. out, I think, at the end of next month or the first part of May. Did the uh, different authors collaborate uh, a little bit on their chapters? Well, as far as maybe reading them and helping them with grammar or expressions or rearranging content or something, okay. but not as far as I was a part of the story or she was a part of the story or he was. I encourage everybody to uh, look for that book and definitely go out and get the book, Takes More Than Heart. It's a fantastic uh, story. And you open yourself up. And I, I really love that about it. Thanks. I really appreciate that. I, I might have to send you guys some signed copies. Oh, <laughs> we look forward to that. That'd be love great. That. <laughs> so tell everybody how they can get the book, find out more about yourself, and maybe about your... Uh... You can go to my book website, takesmorethanheart.com. It's available on Amazon. Barnes and Noble, Kindle, all the usual vendors. It's also available for my, I, I use a Canadian press company called Friesen Press out of Vancouver, BC. And so it's available there too. The simplest way is to go to Amazon. I tease, I, I get teased by some of my friends. We're, you're out on the golf course, you probably get teased. They talk about, yeah, if you if you put a, a review on on Amazon for Dennis, he'll send you the crayons and stickers. <laughs> or if you nice. put them on your podcast, you get a signed book. Yeah, that's right, that's right. The business website is net, And I uh, encourage you to go there. You can sign up for a, a, a free download, just leaving your contacts there. The download includes how to do or how to schedule a jumbo walk. But there's uh, three other principles in there that will help you start changing your team into coffee beans uh, starting today. They're really easy, straightforward, easily implemented. And you can do it takes less than 15 minutes a day to to spend time on maybe five minutes to read the thing and get the idea of it and about 15 minutes a day and you'll start seeing a change it'll take a little while but it may be a uh, couple three four months or something but you'll start seeing a change in how it looks at at, at your leadership and, and they'll start opening up more very, so that's be a bean, that. Yeah. that is very cool i'm going to look at everybody like coffee beans from now on and <laughs> thank you so much dennis for joining us today 
I appreciate the time and I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, thank you, Dennis. And yeah, Greg, that's why I'm always so energetic. I'm, I'm a coffee bean, you see. <laughs> hey, thank you for listening and subscribing and reviewing DIY for Business, part of the Best Business Network and Electrocast Media. The subjects that we cover on the podcast are selected with the goal of helping your business grow. All of the information provided is opinion-based and you might want to consult a professional to discuss your exact business needs. Greg and I want your company to succeed and we are happy to take your questions. We also would love to hear your suggestions for future episodes. If there's an area of your business that needs solid advice, let us know. We might be able to build an entire episode around it and get your questions answered. You can reach out to us by sending us a direct message on Twitter or visiting our website, diyforbusinesspodcast.com. Both of those links are in the podcast description. We also love talking to business owners. If you would like to join us for a future show, reach out. You can do so again on our website. We thank you for listening for subscribing to DIY for Business, where you are not alone. Are you a fan of classic cinema or a young person who wants to discover the best films of all time? Do these legendary movies still hold up? On the Generation Film Podcast, two guys who grew up when movies dominated the culture share a great film with a panel of young movie lovers and see how it plays for today's generation. We discuss changes in storytelling styles, representation, and the making of each film, its initial reception, and how its meaning has changed over the years. Join us as we explore cinema classics across generations on Generation Film. Electric acid. Hi, this is Megan Kane. And this is Jason Zook. And we're the hosts of Psychic Visions Podcast. Have you ever experienced deja vu or wonder what life after death is like? Or maybe you walked into an old building and got goosebumps or chills down your spine. Chances are you're having spiritual experiences without even realizing it. Our show will cover a variety of topics from astral projection to UFOs manifestation to the power of positive thinking and even healing energy if this resonates with you then this is your sign from the universe to check out our show find us where all podcasts are available psychic visions more than meets the eye electric acid